This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm so, so excited to share with you our conversation this week. I have a very special guest. I have known this doctor for, I think it's it's going, it's actually more than two years now. The cool thing is once you put something out into the world and you're like, wow, let's, let's tar- start talking about this topic of travel. I start learning about how people I know actually have this amazing life through travel that they never shared. So this is why I do the podcast, so we can share this with the world. And I'm so excited to chat with her about this. So Dr. Noha Pollack is a pediatrician in New Jersey, and I'm going to have her introduce herself more fully. But I will just say that I, I've met her at least a couple of times. I know the last time I met her in person was in October of 2022. And I just remember this moment we were in, in Texas. So both of us were from more of like the Northeast area. So it was sunny and warm and we we're just enjoying this moment being outside. And we we're just having this great conversation about you know, living our dreams and the things that she was working on. And she's just such a fun person to be around. So I'm excited to chat with her and, and to share that conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Polak. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I love being here. I love travel. I've been a pediatrician for almost three decades, believe it or not. I've already raised my children and I am super excited about this phase in my life where my kids are adults and I get to travel as much as I want. So, so the, the funny thing is, you know, if you meet Dr. Polak in person, that, that is not obvious. She looks way younger than someone who's, who's been practicing for 30 years. I have to do the math here. Like, I'm like, wait, how old is she? I'm like, wait, you've been practicing for 30 years and your kids are grown. And I mean, you look young and healthy and fit. So I'm, this is wonderful. This is what people dream of. So at the Dare to Dream Physician, what one of my models is whatever you're dreaming of, do it as soon as possible because you you might be really fortunate and blessed and be like Dr. Noah. And when, when her kids are grown up, she can still live her best life. But that's not always true for everybody. I traveled so much with my children. I've taken them to so many places. At least once, sometimes twice a year, we'd go internationally and just see different places and different countries. I've taken them to Machu Picchu. We've done some some crazy stuff when they were little. And now that they're grown up, I'm doing, I would say, a different kind of travel where I get to focus it a little bit more on me, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, on my own interests. When you have children, as you know, because you have three of them, you always have to be mindful. Okay, will they be okay in this location? Is this a safe enough location for them? And then as you get older, you know, it changes a bit. But travel is always fun with kids and afterwards. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I that that's such a good point. So I and I'm learning lessons from others because for 
I just remember this moment when I was, we had our first child and I was an intern. So, you know, things were a little crazy, but we still try to make time to travel. And I remember like going on a CME conference because we get a little bit of a CME fund and and we found something for anesthesia in Montana. So like my husband and, and son came along and we loved it. It was beautiful. And so we were like, yeah, let's keep traveling when we can. And then when we got, we had a second child and I, there was a moment we actually were flying to Montana for a job interview at that point. And Oh, I remember one of my kids threw up and the other was crying and crying and crying for the whole plane ride. And my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, this is really not fun. <laughs> and so actually, I think that stunted me a little bit because for and then we had our third kid. And so for many years, I think there was this I would I'm now calling it the dark ages <laughs> of not traveling in my life where I, I was afraid. I was, oh, gosh, I don't want to have a vomiting baby and crying baby. <laughs> Now I have seen others. And so I actually love being inspired by others. And I've seen people, you know, taking their little kid to Africa. And I mean, people do all sorts of things. So if we put our minds to it. Even that one bad experience, I think now in retrospect, I could have thought of travel in a different way. But I'm making the most of <laughs> making the most now. We started flying again, actually, when my youngest was three, but then the pandemic hit. And now they're six, nine and 13. And the sky's the limit. This year, I'm planning on taking them everywhere, different continents all over. Um, but I want to hear more about you. I mean, how did you start traveling? Was it something that your family did? Was it something that you decided to do? When, when this, did your love of traveling start? Oh, man, so early on. I mean, I'm, I'm immigrated to the United States from Egypt when I was 10. And, you know, my parents were very protective. And in the Egyptian culture, you know, girls don't get to do things on their own, like ever. So I would say I started traveling actually in my 20s, to be honest with you. Once I was on my own, let's say it that way. And that's when I, I started. I mean, I went to many, many countries in Europe while I was younger. And then after the kids were born, we, st we still took them abroad many times to Germany. Oh, goodness. Amsterdam, you know, in Holland. So we went to many places. Recently, though, after the pandemic, I've been kind of traveling differently that I've kind of been focusing more on, okay, is it culture or relaxation or both that I want out of this vacation? And I've been dividing my vacations that way. So when I went to Greece, and it was about a year ago that I went to Greece, it was a great trip. I can't, I can't love it more than that. My partner and I had a little bit of confusion because there's so many Greek islands and we didn't know what to do or where to go. Like over 200 Greek islands. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So we just said, you know what, let's just see what's not crowded because we don't like crowds. So started off in Athens, which was wonderful. It was fall. So it was mid-September. And we went to Athens and we rented this Airbnb apartment in an area that's not in Athens itself, but like within transportation distance. It was in an area called Vula, V-O-U-L-A, which I strongly recommend. It's like the Riviera of Athens. I'm like, okay, I'll go there. It was a great, great apartment. And we could walk to the beach in Athens, right? So we got to two blocks away, we got to walk to the beach. And we could take a train into center city, Athens. And we got to see all the sites. We got to see the Colosseum and all those things. So I would say that my stay in Athens was 
really amazing simply because we thought of what we would enjoy, like what fits our personality rather than, okay, where's everybody want to go? Because that's where I want to go. Because I, I was honestly getting stuck. I decided I want to go to Greece and then just doing the research. I, I had paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. There's so many pearls right there. One is figuring out what is it that that you really want out of traveling because it, it is so easy just like like in the rest of life when you're like oh this is where I'm supposed to do like if when in Greece I'm supposed to do these things and to decide that no like I don't enjoy that I mean I don't know about you but I've certainly traveled like I've, I've traveled in many different capacities but most of the time it's with you know, the times where I look back I'm like that wasn't really the most inspiring and enjoying experience it's usually where I'm like packed in a travel tour group and I didn't you know have any ownership of where we go and or they just put you on a bus and you feel like you're just being bussed around from site to site and it's not and and I mean maybe that works for some people but for me like that just I never feel connected and excited about the place so I love that you started with yeah let me just think about what I want and I don't like certain things and so even if that's what people are supposed to do in Greece I'm not going to do the same thing that's true. I mean, I heard so many wonderful things about the, the Greek islands. And I, you know, we chose to go to Crete. So we, we spent one week in Athens and one week in Crete. And Crete was amazing. Yeah. So I, so the other thing that I love about what you, you are saying is you, you're in a way you really, you, the pace of travel you, you've set in, in a way that works for you. Because when people think of Greece, like, like you said, there's so many different things. There's so many things to see. And in your two week trip, you, you stayed in two places, which sounds so relaxing. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. That was, you know, in Athens, you, I got all the culture I wanted, right? And, and it was totally unplanned. Wonderful, mm -hmm. right? I went, just, we just went walking around. We saw a big sign that said, oh, come and see this show at the Coliseum. I'm like, see a show at the Coliseum? Okay, let's do that. We bought same day tickets. We were there that same night. And I would say that was the most memorable show I've ever seen in my life. It was the Ballet Nacional de España. And it was in Greece. I was like, what? I would have never like thought even to look that up. They were, they just happened to be there for two days. And, you know, it was fortuitous that we got to see that. It was a, an amazing show. And I was literally sitting in Athens in the Coliseum. So yeah. it was an experience. And like you say, you can't plan it all out. You just go with the flow and amazing things can happen. Yeah. And that's also, I think that makes it more enjoyable. I mean, for most people, like you said, the planning can get very overwhelming, especially a place like Greece, where you're like, wow, like this, I mean, you could probably spend a year there and still look at new stuff and experience new places. And so to, to have two weeks is actually a pretty long time for a physician trip, because we have to take time out of our clinical schedules to go to a place and and to be able to to do that and en enjoy yourself. So what tell, tell me you said that now your 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 traveling style and and sort of intentions for travel has changed a little bit in this phase of life where you your kids are grown and you get to just travel on your own or with your partner only. What what were your intentions for this trip to Greece? For this trip to Greece, my intentions was actually just to step outside the box, right? Just think like someone from Greece instead of like an American. So when we stayed in this neighborhood, 
neighborhood called Vula, we stepped out and there were no tourists, right? So it was wonderful. We got to just sit and in this big yard full of restaurants and there were kids everywhere and families and just music and you just order something and we literally sat there and just watched kids run back and forth as their families ate and drank happily and it was it really taught us I guess what life is like in Greece for regular people rather than for Americans so that was amazing right just that was my goal That's awesome. That's so awesome. I love that goal. And that for me is one of my whys for traveling. For me, there's just something about being able to connect with the locals in a way that's not like it from a tourist point of view. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, as we are travelers. So when we're there, we are basically tourists. But the more that we can connect with the local culture in an authentic way, way, at least the more satisfied I feel as when, when I travel. And actually what you said reminded me, I traveled to Greece solo by myself in, when I was in college. And one of, and I can't remember all the places I just had my little, this is before cell phones and smartphones. And, you know, we, they had internet cafes, but that was about it. So I had my lonely planet for Greece and, you know, student budget <laughs> and uh, just went around the country and rode buses and went on ferries. I was on this island. I was riding the bus on the island and I just had stopped at this bus stop and was maybe waiting, just walking around. And a bunch of kids approached me and they were just like, here's an Asian young woman walking around in the middle of a village in Greece. So they were all curious and they, they were just so friendly and fun. And they, and I think I had a back, big backpack on too. They didn't really speak any English and I didn't speak any Greek, but there was a way to, you know, still connect and communicate with just hand gestures. And I just remember having this fun time with them. And I thought, here are these kids and what can I show them? So in my backpack, I had postcards from Oxford where I was studying abroad. I don't even remember why I have these postcards on me, but I had them. So I, I there was probably like five or 10 postcards. So I took them out and I was just showing them and they're like, oh, this is so cool. And I think I even took pictures of them holding the postcard and saying like, hey. And then after that encounter, I was like, do you guys want to just keep it? Like, you can just keep it, have fun with it. And that was just so memorable. Like even, you know, 20 plus years later, I remember that encounter, even though I don't remember even where I was. <laughs> See, it's it's those little things. Like I, I remember the night we sat there and just watched kids run back and forth like crazy. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And, and in that same neighborhood, there was this big festival and we couldn't figure out what it's about because we don't speak Greek or read Greek or anything. And, and then at night, there was like a show. So we walk in and we just, it's an outdoor theater. So we just sat there, it was all free and everything. And we're listening to the saddest sounding music. It's just like, and people are sitting there very solemnly. And and it turned out to be the 100th year anniversary of the burning of Smyrna. Yeah, Smyrna, it's called. So it was like a big, huge thing that I just immediately looked up and learned about that I would have never known. Like this was thousands of people died and they were mourning them 100 years later. And I, I still hear the music in my head. So, huh. yeah, those experiences were amazing. Yeah. And I'm just impressed when you said that you found a place near Athens where it wasn't touristy because even 20 years ago when I went, I just, I felt like, I mean, the moment I got into the airport and I got in a taxi, 
I mean, I, I could just tell that this, like there were tourists everywhere, like the way that the taxi driver was trying to cheat me. I'm like, this place is very, very touristy. So I'm, I'm so impressed that you, you found Vula. Vula, yeah. So we had, so we rented a car. So we had to go by car about 15 minutes, park it by the train, then take the train into Athens because I did not want to drive in Athens. Nobody wants to drive in Athens. So yeah, I mean, if you don't mind spending a little time and public transport, that's how people move, right? And you get to really learn how they live if you're on their train. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's that's so awesome. I, I love that. I love your description of, of that experience. And then when you were in Athens doing the sightseeing, how, how did you decide where to go? Because you said that you wanted to really decide for yourself, like what you were excited about seeing. Right. I just, honestly, I, I didn't see a whole lot, right? I, I saw the Pantheon, I saw the Colosseum, and just walked around the streets and figured it out. I did not do a Lonely Planet thing, I must admit, because I become a, a little overwhelmed when I see too many really important things at once, then they become blended in my brain. Yeah. Right? Right? So I just picked one, and then one day we'd just do the beach, and then the next day we'd do one, things like that, just so that it it doesn't all blend into one mush in your head. Yes. Yeah, actually, even when I had a lonely planet and walked around, that's how I traveled too when I was traveling solo because I was just like, I'm going to check this one place out. And then from there, we'll see what happens. And so that I, I think that is such a that's such a great way of traveling. It, it takes the stress off. It takes the pressure off. And then you also get to uh, give yourself the chance to to discover something. And and for me, at least, that that is one of the joys of traveling is to be, being, be able to discover something that you didn't even know was there. Especially food. Tell me about the food. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure you remember it from when you were there, but it, it was amazing. You really don't have to spend a lot to eat great in Greece, right? Like, I think I had a Greek salad every single day. <laughs> So what's what's in a, it's been a while. So tell me what's in a Greek salad. So here in the U.S., if you order a Greek salad, you're going to get lettuce and tomato and peppers and all these things, but not in Greece. And they're very particular. It's only cucumbers, tomatoes and feta cheese with olive oil and vinegar. Ooh. There's no lettuce, no peppers, nothing else. Um, and it's like, it's so delicious because the, the cheese is so fresh and the tomatoes are like beyond red. <laughs> wow. Wow. so that's amazing we ate a lot of seafood while we were there actually Ooh. so you'd get some fish and you'd get a big greek salad and it was amazing yeah we eat we ate some gyros they're not called gyros they're gyros that's ah. how they're called and uh, we ate quite a few of those as well so it was there was no shortage of food and the food was safe to eat so we didn't feel like we might get sick or anything. That was great. And we could drink the local water, to be honest. So we did. Yeah. So the gyros that you were the gyros, as we call them in American, but gyros, what, what, what was in them? What kind of filling did they have? Yeah. So I, I mean, they had all kinds of fillings. You can have beef or chicken, or you can have falafel, which I loved. It's the best. And uh, pork. And then all the trimmings, right? The lettuce and tomato. And then this tzatziki sauce the yogurt sauce that was amazing I love that and I think the like I said the food there was one of my favorite things to discover like just to go different places and eat it and then we found a restaurant we just couldn't stop going back it was like okay we can't go here again we were here yesterday 
<laughs> and that actually brings up a really good point. How did you find the places to eat? Were you just walking around and just decided to check them out? How did you decide? Yeah, I mean, if we met someone and they spoke English, we would ask, where do they eat? Or we would just honestly look for where there's more families sitting around because those guys know where the good food is and we just go there. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so great. I'm asking the question from the point of view of a listener who might be the kind of traveler who felt like they have to do everything. I have to go see all the sites. Like, did you have any regrets? Like when you left Greece, were you like, oh, but I didn't see this one site. You know, what did I miss? Yeah, I, I have to say, I over the years, the FOMO has gone out of my life because I realized there's no way I could see everything. And when I try to see everything, I actually see nothing. So true. It's, right. it's such a wise statement. When I try to see everything, I actually see nothing. That is the, one of the wisest statements about traveling. I, I love that. Yeah, I don't experience it. I feel like if I focus on one or two or three things that I truly experience that will change me, then I don't have to worry about missing out on other things because I definitely cannot see everything in any place. So no, I have to admit, I did not have any regrets. I just experienced what I got to experience. And I came home with all those memories. Ah, wow. I, I get like chills even hearing that. <laughs> and I, I so resonate with that. Okay, you said something that I need to ask you more about, which is the experience to change you. Tell me more about that. You know, it's interesting. I had almost a life-changing experience in Peru a few years ago. My kids and I were walking on the street in somewhere in, in, I think it was Lima, Peru. And there was a man standing on the sidewalk and he was dressed in a three-piece suit and he was begging. Mm. And, and I remember so intently looking into his eyes and he put out his hand to shake mine and I shook his hand. And at that moment, it was almost like I felt my own humanity, like... Mm such a an elderly gentleman clean beautifully dressed just because you give them a little money they shake your hand and they're so pleasant and i was like how grateful is that and i feel like i have no idea why to be honest with you but i don't know why but i still think about it it's been like 10 years huh. like that that one handshake and i i think about how grateful people are for every little thing and how grateful we should be because we have so much more. <laughs> mm. So experiences like that, like little th things that you cannot predict nor plan, in my mm. opinion, change you as a person when you travel. Mm. Wow. So, so, so there was someone who was begging for money, an elderly gentleman who was clean and well-dressed and you, I'm assuming you gave him some money and then he shook your hand and, and you, you, you made eye contact. That's right. That was it. Mm. But there was, there was a, you, you were able to glimpse into humanity and felt connected with humanity. Exactly. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It, you, you're so on point with that. I, I think that is one of the ways to, one of the ways that travel can really transform us is when we go in and we're just open to these experiences, open we're not necessarily there looking for an experience because I, I think we're we all do that in some way, right? Like we go to Greece because we're you know expecting sun and the the food and the culture, and uh, 
later this year, I'm going to Australia and I am definitely going to hug a koala bear. Like that is, that is, that is on my list to do because ever since I was a little girl, like I would look at pictures of koala bears or like, you know, cartoons of koala bears. I'm like, oh, they look so cute and huggable. So, you know, admittedly, I definitely have touristy things in mind, but really the essence of why we travel for me is, is about connecting with the place, with the people, with the food and the culture and, and allowing that to change me in some way and, and not like knowing what that change would be or knowing how that would change me, but just being open to it. Yes, absolutely. And, and many places have changed me, but sometimes things just stick in your head and you can't get rid of them. So, wow. So I am really curious now that you talked about that example, because I might have shared on the podcast before, but traveling, it was actually what made me decide to go to medical school. And I've heard actually several of my guests share that. And I, I was not pre-med in college. I was an astrophysics major. I was very confused about what I wanted to do when I grow up. In junior year, I studied abroad and I did a lot of traveling, solo traveling. And I realized that I really loved connecting with people, like strangers, people from different cultures, people from different walks of life. And I thought, wow, you know, here, like I like science and I really love talking to people. And I'm an introvert too. So I'm like, this is weird. And, and then I was like, hey, maybe I would like medicine. Like that's actually how I started this inkling of maybe I should be a doctor. Because I, most of my life I was like, there's no way I want to be a doctor. Like, I don't think like a pre-med, I'm not pre-med. I don't want to be pre-med. And, uh, but it was really traveling that, that opened me up to this idea of, being a physician. And I have to say it, it was true because I love what I do as a physician. I, and the part that I love the most is really making that human connection every day when I'm just chatting with the patient. And so I'm curious about your point of view is how has travel changed you? And do you think it's impacted your practice of medicine in any way? Oh, I, I definitely do. I practice medicine, pediatrics in an urban environment. So where I practice, there are many different cultures around me. A lot of cultures from Central and South America, from Asia, just everywhere. And um, after I travel to a place and then I talk to my patients about their, they're like, really, that's where we're from. Did you go here or there? It really feels like a different level of connection. Like, yes, I know where you're from. I've been there and I love it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like that it does give you as a doctor, a different level of understanding of how they come about some of the habits that they have. Right. Mm -hmm. For example, I, I talk to kids a lot about their body image and how they feel about their health and their body, especially teenage girls. And, you know, sometimes they, they want to become vegetarians and the grandmother will not have it. The mm. grandmother from Central and South America, she's like, no, 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 no. If you don't eat chicken, this and this will happen to you. It's mm. such an interesting dynamic to watch because like, it's almost like they don't, they don't understand that the child wants to be different. Mm. And it's, like I said, it just, it's an experience to understand where people came from. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Traveling, when you're a traveler, you're a visitor in a foreign land and all the things that you take granted about just living somewhere, like about this is what's normal in society. All of that goes out the door <laughs> because 
when you're visiting all the things that you assume is what's normal in the neighborhood or the society that you live in is not necessarily true where where you're visiting and i think for me i i use that feeling and experience as a way of being less judgmental and so and in that way i think it really does help connect with patients whether they are from different cultures or societies or just my patient population in Vermont is fairly homogeneous, but even the the patients that I see, everyone looks at things in a different way. It just helps me be a, more open and, and try to look at things from their point of view. Because even though, let's say a patient of mine spent all their life in Vermont and they have maybe certain beliefs, I then try to look at it from their point of view as I would if I were traveling somewhere. Wow, that's really deep, actually. <laughs> That's really deep. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I I don't have that experience because there's nothing homogeneous about New Jersey, but uh, I can understand that. Mm. Yeah. And and you're so right. I mean, every once in a while, I'll I'll see a patient who was from from somewhere, a country far away. And it is, if if you, if if I mention like, hey, yeah, I've been to Pakistan. They're like, what? (laughs) What? Would you like most people don't even go there and yeah it's and then just even saying something about like oh yeah you know I love the food there or this is what I remember it just it, it adds another connection I'll say as as someone whose parents are immigrants and who you know that English has always been their second language and it's if if they meet somebody who has some interest in their culture whether it's traveling there or liking the food or something it, it just it makes them feel a little bit more connected Absolutely. It does make a difference. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So tell, okay, so you haven't finished telling us about your trip to Greece. So you talked about like your first week and being in Athens and seeing seeing different sites. What about your your second week? The second week was really nice. So we flew to Crete and uh, managed to get an Airbnb in a winery. Oh. So, so it was really cool. It's like a small building, three apartments, and we were on the top floor and you can overlook all the vines. And we happened to be there in September. So they were like picking the grapes. So we got to watch them pick the grapes, which was amazing. The The food in Crete is so different from Athens, though. And it's much more rich and baked so that's where you get to eat your pastizio, you know, the pasta with the bechamel sauce and the meat. You get to eat the eggplant dishes, moussaka and imam and all those things, and the, the stuffed grape leaves. So the food, like, was such so distinctly different. You still got your Greek salad if you wanted it, but it wasn't, like, ubiquitous like it was in Athens. And But the food was different. And the atmosphere was just so much more laid back. Like you could tell people are not there on vacation in Crete mostly. Because it's not one of the, it's not one of the more advertised islands, let's say, right? So it was really, it was a beautiful place. The beaches are just beyond belief for me. We went to this one beach called Balos Beach. And the only way to get there is like up this really steep mountain. You can drive it or you can walk for three hours. So we drove. And then after you drive all the way to the top to get to the beach, you have to go back down. And that's another hour walk. So it was worth it because that is the most beautiful blue water that we have ever seen. And we just swam there for the whole day. 
walked right back up the mountain and drove down. So we went to different beaches a lot. We did a lot of snorkeling. How was the snorkeling on Crete? It was very nice. Very nice. They don't have a lot of coral, but they certainly have a lot of fish. So the fish is not like super colorful like you would expect with coral, but it was beautiful. They There were sunken ships. You can just go and go snorkel around. There were a lot of people scuba diving. But what I noticed the most about Crete, you know, the tiny churches. Have you seen them when you went to Greece? Yeah, they're, they're so they're just so beautiful. Everywhere. So it's literally a little building that only fits one person. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand it. So literally on the sides of the roads, on most streets, there's like these little tiny buildings that only one person fits into, but it's a beautifully kept building. And inside there are icons, right? Mm -hmm. And there's sometimes a candle burning. And, you know, for the most part, we stood on the outside just out of respect, right? Just to see, we're like, wow. We look at all of the Byzantine type paintings inside. And so it's basically, it people build these churches to give thanks for what they have. I Initially, when I first saw them, I was like, well, you know, in the US, if you see something commemorating you, like maybe someone died here or something. I was like, no, there's no way someone died everywhere all the time. <laughs> so it's just how they give thanks to God. It's a religious country. So it's Greek Orthodox. And all of these Greek Orthodox churches, tiny ones are everywhere just to give thanks. But of course, there's bigger ones too that you could go and attend a mass in, which we did. And it was quite beautiful because there's a lot of hymns. A lot of what? Hymns. What, like what's they just that? sing like songs. Oh, hymns. Oh, sing, yep, hymns in Greek. Ah. So. Yeah, so it was quite beautiful. So we got to hear that and experience it with a lot of incense. So it's hymns and incense, very meditative, I guess, right? You get it's almost like meditating mm. while you're listening. Oh, that that's great. So so many questions. I mean, first of all, how did you how did you choose Crete? You said you, you didn't want like, a lot of crowds. And that's actually what I'm looking for, too. And one of the things that overwhelmed me about Greece is I'm like, I don't even know, because I think there are crowds everywhere. It's not it's not a Greece is certainly not a secret, right? Like, I mean, everyone knows that Greece is beautiful and everyone wants to go visit Greece. So how did you find a place that was more like off the beaten path? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. I I, I looked at the most popular places to go in Greece and I avoided those. <laughs> And then I and and it was about convenience too. Where can you get a flight really quickly, right, from one place to another? Because some of these places you have to take a flight and a boat or long boat rides, and I'm like, no, no, no. So it's about convenience. And and Crete itself is, I mean, people a lot of people live there, but it's not touristy and it's not overcrowded in my you know in my experience. Yeah. How big is Crete? I mean, I think it's... It's huge. So if like to drive, like you said, you rented a car. So to drive from like one part to another, like how long would that take? I mean, an hour or two, but it's not from end to end. I mean, it would take you days to drive from end to end. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's great. So lots of things to discover. 
lots. And the one thing we also noticed about Crete that was different is that there's cats everywhere. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stray cats everywhere. But they they look happy and well-fed. They don't look scrawny or unhappy. You know, I guess the weather's nice and people feed them a lot. Because we were sitting in the, our favorite restaurant where they had delicious food. And the cat would just come and just climb right up on, this, on the railing and just sit there and watch you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. So, so you said you, you visited a Greek Orthodox church for service. I mean, how, is that something that you usually do? Like when you, when you visit a place, like, I mean, that's kind of an unusual thing to do. Like how, how did you find a place and like, weren't you scared that they, everyone would look at you funny? You know, that's interesting. So I'm Egyptian, so I am a Coptic Egyptian. So our religion is exactly like the Greek Orthodox religion, except for the language. So the Egyptians, they, it's the same sound, the same hymn, the same incense, except for we do it in Coptic and the Greeks do it in Greek. So to me, it wasn't foreign, but it was nice to, to enter. So it was just one day we were out for dinner and we heard the church bells and it was, I think a Saturday evening. Yes, right. And just this it wasn't a crowded church at all. It were just a few people there. So we walked in the back door, not to disturb anyone, and sat in the pew for a while and, and listened. I mean, these services are often hours long. Not one hour, but many hours long. So <laughs> I, I wasn't going to stay for the whole thing. But it was. It certainly took me back to, to familiar things, the scents and the sounds. Oh, how, how neat. That's, that's really yeah. neat. Yeah. Any, anything else? So you went to beaches, you did some snorkeling. What else did you do when you were in Crete? You watched the wine, being, the, the grapes being picked. Crete also has a lot of antiquities. Okay. There is. It's not only in Athens. So we did see a few antiquities in Greece, in Crete, I mean. So we did a little culture and then there's shows. There's always shows somewhere. So we would go and watch a show every few nights. Athens and seeing all of those antiquities, really in Crete, we laid back and did not very much, right? We just allowed ourselves to just be. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and one of the, the place we were somewhere near where we were staying is called Kissamos. Kissamos. I just thought the name was fun. So I would always say, oh, let's go to Kisamos. <laughs> wow. So so you said that Crete has a very different vibe from Vula? How, yes. How, yeah. And, and it's more laid back, which I guess makes sense. It's an island or smaller island. So tell me what your, your takeaways were from, from that week there. Yeah, I think my takeaways were that you're from the same country, but you're quite different kind of your mannerism. So I found the people in Crete to be a lot more laid back. Mm-hmm. No one was really running around or stressed out. And they were very helpful everywhere. So I don't think that was different. But my takeaway from Crete was that just just focus on the beauty around you because there was a lot of beauty there mm-hmm. rather than the antiquities like in, in Athens we were really focused on all the antiquities. In Crete there was a lot of natural beauty. Mm. that we got to enjoy. Mm. And that's the, the ocean, the, the good weather. The ocean, the, 
the weather, just the trees, the different, I don't know. I was just, just loving the little churches because each one was different from the next one. So we would just stop and look at the churches. Mm. Is it, is it an island that's where you, where you can do a lot of walking? There is. Yep. We did quite a bit of walking. There are lots of sidewalks and people don't go that fast. So it's not, it's not like Athens where people whiz right by you. So you can, you can walk around. Absolutely. Oh, wow. This is so great. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing your experiences. There was one other question, because I noticed that you mentioned both places that you went to, you stayed at an Airbnb. Tell me about how, how, well, one is why do you choose an Airbnb over like a hotel or a resort? And then two is how do you choose an Airbnb? Yeah, I have to admit it's my partner who chooses them, so I can't talk too much about that. <laughs> he takes care of all that. But I enjoy Airbnbs because it, you get the whole space to yourself. And I do feel like I'm giving money to the locals rather than to big conglomerate hotels, mm, right? Yeah. That, that makes me feel better about it. And honestly, you don't have to eat out three meals a day. Mm-hmm. So right? did you go to the grocery store and buy food? We sure did. I love that, right? Yeah. I do. You go to the grocery store and you see what kind of fruits and vegetables they have and kind of foods are there. And then you kind of, not that we cook, right? But you can, oh, let's make a salad today instead of doing this or that. And that's what we did. And so that way, I just find it a lot more comfortable to not be in a hotel all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I think... Most of the time, well, since we're a family of five, so most of the time we're traveling as five. So it's much easier to to stay at a home rental, Airbnb, VRBO, or just rent directly from the owners. And then two, although I don't want to cook every meal when we're on vacation because we're on vacation. I mean, it does save some money. But then also the other part that I really love is actually visiting the local grocery stores. The trip that I just came back from in Eleuthera, one of my fun memories was actually going, we just kept going to the grocery store because we're like, we're not sure what to get. Oh, we ate all the food that we bought yesterday. So let's go back again. And, and then I found like these interesting items. Like I found this kidney beans and coconut milk. And I was like, what do you do with this? It was like the, the ingredients were kidney beans, coconut milk, and sugar. So I went and asked the lady who I think was the store owner and also, also the cashier, and I, I asked her, like, what do you tell me? Like, what do you do with this? And and then she's like, yeah, we make rice and beans. I'm like, oh, interesting. So I actually asked her, I'm like, can you tell me how to make this? Because, make that dish? Because I want to try to make it. I love rice and beans. So she like, you know, just told me her what, what she usually does. Do a little bit of this, this. I'm like, tell me what spices to get. And she's like, okay, this is what I would get. And then I went home and I made it. And I was... <laughs> As I'm adding all this stuff to the one pot that we had at our at our rental, I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. And then when it was all said and done, it was great. Like all my kids ate it, my husband ate it. Like we all loved it. It was gone. <laughs> That's amazing. What a great story. I love the grocery stores. Yeah, in different countries. I do. I just I just pretend I don't know what I'm doing and give them the credit card, and it's all over. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's another way of just seeing what the local living like like you said that intention for your trip to Greece was being out outside of the box and just being feeling like you're in that place like you you were a local and certainly going to the grocery store and, and interacting with the locals like the store owner and again also helping out more small businesses it is part of the fun. It is. It's wonderful. Great. 
Well, I I just love this conversation so much. I'm so glad that that we we're having you on. For parting words, I would love for you to share because you have this kind of long long list of travel experiences and you've been to all these great places throughout different stages in your life. Can you maybe speak to a listener who maybe is not really is thinking about traveling but haven't traveled as much or is a little bit scared about like well I don't know like I usually just even though we take a vacation we just go to the same place every year talk to that listener what advice do you have for them as someone who has gone through different stages of traveling in your life uh, the amount of rejuvenation you get after a trip where you're out of your comfort zone is immeasurable it's just immeasurable I come back rejuvenated and I have different thoughts and ideas and they push me forward in a way that I could not have done without that time away from work. And usually on the on my plane ride home, I sit and write down all the great ideas I had while I was away. And there's always 20 or 30 of them. And I implement quite a few. Some of them are really weird, but the others I implement. So if you really love your family and your career, you owe it to yourself to do that, to travel and be rejuvenated. Wow. So can you give some examples of this? Like all these ideas you get to move your life forward. I'm so excited to hear about this. A quick example is my last trip, actually, I just came back from a trip to Panama. And I spent two weeks in Panama and we did absolutely nothing but be bored, which is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to just be on the beach and read a book and do nothing. And I have been struggling with trying to recruit staff for my office at work. And when I came back on my trip home, I wrote down all of these ideas about how I'm going to recruit staff and how I'm going to retain staff. And I started implementing it. And there it is. Like These are ideas I was not able to think of while I was in a grind. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That That's a great example. And so true. And I find that to be so true for me too, is that to plan less when we travel and let the travel experience change us. And I often find that it gives me, it always gives me a perspective. I do think that if we plan too much, it, it just gets busy. And because a lot of, you know, that saying, I need a vacation for my vacation. Like I'm so tired after that trip. And, and so if you intentionally design your travel experience so that you have some of that room to, to grow yourself to, and I do find that it really does spark my creativity. I think it has something to do with you're in a new place. There's, you're seeing it's a different perspective. You're forced to see things in a different perspective and all the things where you might have felt stuck on in your life, whether it's big or little, once you just change that place, you're forcing yourself to have a different perspective. And if, if that travel experience is not so overwhelming and pressure filled, you, you give yourself that space to then come up with those creative ideas and energy to really come back to your life and move it forward. Like that is, I mean, I couldn't have said that better than you. I mean, you very eloquently just summarized everything I said. Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Well, so tell us how people can find you. You know, tell, I, I know you have a lot of awesome things going on, like with your private practice and, and with your other mission and your professional work. So tell us how people find you. 
Yes, I have a private practice called Progressive Pediatrics. So you can easily look me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, Progressive Pediatrics. I'm also a speaker, and my goal is to be on the TED stage in the very near future speaking about body image in kids. Wow, awesome. That's right. That, that's your other passion is, is body image in kids. Actually, that's what we talked about when we were in Texas. Yeah. So important for, for this day and age. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm, I can't wait to share this with the world. I've had a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Gray. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside.